So today is uh, Monday, the 9th of November. We've come together again to practice, to cultivate our minds. And in doing this, we take sila, virtue, as our foundation. And it's a very important foundation. Um, so whether we take up the five precepts, the eight, ten, or 227, you know, we do so following the energy that we have and our ability. Knowing that um, all of these stages or levels of uh, sila are enough for us to um, come to know and see the Dhamma and to be able to enter into a state of samadhi. So when we take care of our sila, this develops the heart that is collected and calm, and then wisdom arises. And through that, we're able to know and understand the Dhamma. During the time of the Buddha, there were um, many, many lay people, whether um, males or females or even children, uh, who had wisdom. And they were able to understand the truth and attain to stream entry. It shows that they had developed their parami and throughout um, many lifetimes prior to that one. And then when their parami had reached um, a state of fullness, they listened to the Dhamma and trained um, practicing following those teachings that they heard. And in the end, uh, their minds settled into a state of peace. And they listened to the Dhamma once more and could attain to Sotapanna. Though most of them, however, uh, listened to the Dhamma just one time, and that was enough for them to realize the truth. So this shows that the Bharami that they had already developed was great, that they had been practicing, uh, cultivating their hearts for many lifetimes. Even though the practice was very tough, they persisted with it until they could see the Dhamma, until wisdom could arise. And it shows that they were very sincere. For us, sometimes, however, uh, when we practice, we can become disheartened and weary with this path. But it's natural that sometimes our minds are in a dark state and sometimes they're bright. That's very normal. But we need to have mindfulness so that we know these things. And if we don't have mindfulness, or if the heart isn't peaceful, but we desire for it to become peaceful, and so we practice through that desire, then this just becomes a cause for suffering to arise. Maybe we start thinking hateful thoughts about ourselves, but this is incorrect. Because hating oneself is a cause for suffering as well. So we need to be kind towards ourselves, wishing ourselves happiness. May we be well, may I be happy, may I find freedom from suffering. May I not um, have vengeance towards myself or towards others. 
And this is the way we have metta towards ourselves. So we think about things in a positive light. But if the kilesas arise, then they will drag our thoughts towards negativity. The reason we walk this path is to find freedom from suffering. It's not to heap suffering upon ourselves. Um, but the mind that is deluded, it can do this. It can just aggravate uh, the difficulties that we have. And this is incorrect. So Lumpucha taught about this before as well. He said that for some monks, they uh, set a goal in the practice, but they're not able to do that. And so they get really stressed and they start hating themselves. But that's not the right way of going about it. So we need to have a sense of ourselves and the energy that we have. The Buddha had incredible amounts of energy in his mind. And so he could make that a great determination that he did under the Bodhi tree that if I don't attain to the Dhamma, then I won't get up from the seat. But for us, we mostly have just a little bit. And we need to know a sense of proportion, but also to not be too lax as well, to maintain our sincerity. And this is especially important for monks to be sincere in the practice. Because if there isn't um, this level of sincerity, then you can just get very um, lax, just let go of the practice. So these um, aspects of monastic life, such as the morning chanting, the evening chanting, going on arms round, <laughs> sitting in meditation and doing all the communal activities, and these are the duties of a monk. For Lumpur Cha, uh, when I stayed with him, um, he asked permission from the community to not go to the morning and evening meetings because he was old at that time. He was 59 years old and he had used his body a lot and put it through a lot of hardship. So he asked permission from the monks to not gather together for these meetings, but on occasions, he would come to teach the Dhamma uh, in the evening. So I was intent to um, go to all these meetings. And Lumpur Liam, uh, he would lead the chanting and do this without fail. There was never a day that he missed the chanting. He would also do all of the communal activities, um, such as uh, bringing up the water from the well and taking it around to the various places in the monastery. So we know that if we don't help out with these activities, then the mind feels ill at ease. And then especially when the Kruba Ajahn, he comes to the chanting, he um, puts his effort into teaching us, but we don't go then the heart just will feel unsettled. 
it shows that we're too lax. So we need to maintain our sincerity so that our ordination um, has meaning, that there's quality to our monastic life. So for the um, lay people, they have uh, a lot of effort to come and to make offerings to the monks, um, despite the fact that they have to go and work most days. They also come and they practice, they do the chanting as well. And then they have to go and engage in their occupation. They maybe stop on Saturdays and Sundays, but they still come to the monastery to offer the requisites for the monks. So if as monks we don't do our duties, that shows that we're being selfish. If the Krubhajan, the teacher, he goes to chant, he gives a talk, but we don't turn up, and then our Kowat, our um, the duties that we have as monks, we're, we're failing on those. And this is a part of our sila, our virtue as a monk, that we do all of our duties and we come together for them. So when we can do these, it shows that we have effort and sincerity and we are able to attain to the Dhamma through effort. We do our sitting meditation, our walking meditation, but we also need to be careful around this as well. Because if the kilesas arise in the heart, they can tell us that um, if we torture our bodies a lot, we put them through a lot of stress and difficulty, then that will bring results. But if we do that too much, um, it's dangerous. So we need to be cautious around this. And some monks, they fast a lot, they're very strict in the practice, but they don't have much peace of mind. And this is uh, quite a dangerous situation. So the practice, um, we need to be careful around it, especially around the desire that we have. And for some people, they have a lot of anger towards themselves that their mind um, goes in that direction. Um, and so it's important uh, to have a lot of wisdom and know how to put an effort appropriately, to have effort through wisdom, to take care of asila as well. This also requires banya. And there were times when myself, I got stuck on different aspects of the monastic discipline. And there's one rule, which is a uh, severe offense, um, which is to not drink the blood of a human being. And, but when I was a younger monk, uh, my gums had problems, and so they would often bleed. And I was afraid of committing this offense. Uh, so I would try to spit out the blood um, every time that it uh, bled through my gums in order to not swallow it and fall into this offense. But Lumpur Cha, uh, he told me that 
this aspect of the discipline, this particular rule, it's about a monk, or it doesn't apply to a monk who is sick, because you don't have the intention there. Really, the meaning of this rule is for monks to not engage in very violent or abhorrent uh, acts, like drinking the blood of another human being, but it doesn't apply to one's own blood. So through this teaching, my understanding of the sila uh, increased. So whether we're able to keep our virtue in a coarse or a middle or a refined manner depends on our intention. And there was a time during uh, the Buddha's life where there was a husband or a man who was a hunter um, and his wife came from a very rich family, but she met this hunter and fell in love and then ran away with him into the forest. And eventually uh, she bore many children. The Buddha later on praised her as being his own child. But the monks and the laity who heard this were very confused because her husband was a hunter, and so how could she possibly be a Sotapanna? So the Buddha asked her how it is that she considered her life and um, helping out her husband, that she prepared the weapons uh, for her husband to use and also prepared his meals to take into the forest. And she responded that it's just my duty to prepare these. And so I follow my duty. I just prepare the weapons um, and I prepare my husband's food because it's uh, my duty to do this. But I don't have any thoughts about wanting to kill or wanting my husband to kill. So she was able to really set her intention firmly in this way. That externally she was acting in one way, but really her heart was filled with metta. So the Buddha taught that intention itself is sila. Her husband and children actually had a lot of barami and it was close to reaching a state of fullness. So the Buddha went to teach them. He went into the forest, to the place where they had laid their traps, and he released the animals that were caught in those traps, and he stood there in their place. The hunter came along and saw that he had released uh, the animals that he caught, so he lifted up his bow uh, and was just about to shoot an arrow at the Buddha. But through the Buddha's powers, uh, he froze the hunter in place. The hunter's wife saw that it was taking a very long time for her husband to come back, <clears throat> and this was very strange, so she sent her children out to go and search for her husband. So the children went and they saw the husband uh, or their father there frozen in place, just about to shoot the Buddha. So they uh, decided to try to shoot the Buddha as well. But 
the Buddha froze them in place too. Eventually, the woman went along to find out what had happened, and she saw uh, her husband and her children just about to fire their arrows at the Buddha, that they were about to kill him. So she shouted out that, that's my father, don't kill him. Now both her husband and her children had never seen her real father before, so their hearts uh, warmed up to the Buddha, and the Buddha was able to teach them, and they all reached the stage of Sotapanna. So it shows that the hunter and uh, his children had a lot of barami. And when they became Sotapanas, they gave up their occupation, they changed their livelihood, and they didn't kill beings anymore. So this intention is in itself sila. We shouldn't worry or think too much about it, but rather establish our intentions well, making sure that we keep our virtue through kindness and compassion. If we just have kindness for some people, and that leads us to break the precepts, and that's not correct either. So we need to gain a clear understanding of this, to establish our metta and karuna well within these precepts, be they the five precepts, or eight, ten, two hundred and twenty-seven. And it's not something that we should, that should become a cause of worry or concern for us. But rather we establish our mindfulness and our samadhi here in the present moment when we practice, trying to cultivate um, the mind, the collected mind here and now. If we send um, thoughts to the past, then they'll start bringing up memories and start getting involved in liking and disliking towards that. So we just try to keep um, the mind here in the present moment. Like uh, Venerable Angulimala, he had given up the past and his mind was firmly established here and now. He had very deep jhana and through this he was able to contemplate and attain to arahantship. So we need to try to keep our minds here with the present moment, collected in the words of Buddha, Dhammo and Sangha, looking at the breath as it comes and goes, until our minds reach stillness. Or we can also use the body as the object of our mindfulness as well, knowing what it is that the body is doing right now. We can separate out the elements. Um, and all of this comes down to seeing things as not-self. Any Vedana or a feeling that arises, we see that arise, persist for a while, and cease. There's nothing true about it. That the body is just a body, and Vedana is just Vedana. And it's the same for all of the sensations that appear in the mind. And in looking at these sensations in the mind, this becomes jitta, nupasana, satipatthana. And these are all about, um, or require, training samadhi so that we can see the mind as it proliferates and see those thoughts are not me or not mine. There's no self to them at all. In doing this, the heart becomes empty from all of its attachments. 
But if we proliferate, then there'll be a self and an other that arises. Really, the one who is speaking and the one who is listening isn't actually there. It's just the mind that is aware and receiving objects. So there's no self, there's no other. It's merely the mind. So whether we understand this or not depends on the strength of our samadhi and our wisdom. But initially, however, we just know intellectually that um, things are not self. Even though at the beginning we do have a self, we shouldn't worry about it. Rather, we just carry on training, trying to um, oh, we carry on training because we have clinging and craving. So we contemplate and look. Look at the feelings, look at the mind um, and the thoughts that go on within the mind. When there is proliferation, uh, then it's normal that the mind runs, up, runs after that. We should also have a mindfulness um, following up as well seeing that it's not self. It's just the nature of the mind with delusion to act in that way. So a knowing arises, but we don't attach to that as being a self either. In the end, the mind reaches the highest level of emptiness. So that there is this emptiness, but there's no owner of that emptiness. It's just a state of nature. And if we feel comfortable and skilled at contemplating all things as being empty, then we should do that. Look at all physicality and mentality as being empty. It's just being dhammas that arise and cease. So the merits and the skillful qualities, these are dhammas. And Lumpur Tongrat uh, taught in this way. Um, he taught to, um, or he taught a, uh, an old woman about making merits and giving offerings, but she became angry in return. And he received this anger as just being dhamma. You could see that it's just an unskillful quality that has arisen. And merit as well, it's a skillful quality that arises. But none of these things are self, they're not me, they're not mine. So for us, we need to try and, oh, sorry, this shows that he had a lot of wisdom, that he could um, contemplate to see everything as being Dhamma, to see all things as not self. That the one who was angry there's no one there. There's no person there. The one who received that anger, there's no person there. And there's no one who is devoid of anger either. So we contemplate in this way, and by doing that, this is the path of wisdom that develops into samadhi. So we establish our minds well, training ourselves like this. Um, so that our minds can enter into a calm and collected state. We have our efforts, we are sincere, 
in the practice. We um, establish our minds well. It's important for the monks to, to do this in all of our activities, whether it's the morning chanting, the evening chanting, all of the uh, duties that we have as monks. And we just need to follow in this way, just practice like this. Because the lay people, they have to get up early and go to work, and they also have to try to fit in their meditation practice and their chanting as well. They try to uh, make merits, make offerings. And uh, through this, we receive the four requisites that we need uh, to survive on. So for monks, we should be the leaders. We should lead the way. We should have sincerity. And the lay people, they have an incredible amount of sincerity to act um, like this. So we should try, while we have a body that's strong and energetic, we really need to use that to bring up our efforts, to practice, to have a lot of mindfulness in everything that we do. Even if we're just walking about, we keep the words of Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha with us. Or we can contemplate into anicca, dukkha, anatta. <coughs> see all things as being empty. And see that there's no self, there's no me, there's no other. And through this wisdom arises, and we gain clear knowledge and understanding. So may all of you be sincere in this way, both the monks and the laity. And may you carry on practicing without letting up.